Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Intercooler Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Intercooler Podcast with me, Dan Prosser, Andrew Frankel, still sitting opposite me in our Wizzy studio. Um, yeah. <laughs> Used to it yet? No. 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 I, mean, it's, I mean, it's great. Um, hopefully, you know, by well, not being able to see us is necessarily an advantage, but certainly with you know, proper broadcast quality sound and everything else. Um, it makes a difference to you guys, to us. It makes us feel like we're professionals. Mm, moving on up in the world. I'm suffering from terrible imposter syndrome here, actually, but um, I'm You'll, sure we'll get used to it. You will. You'll settle into it. Um, so this week we're talking Goldilocks cars. Yeah. Right? That's not too, not too that? hot, not too cold, just right. Yeah. But the temptation then is to assume that we're talking about the cars from the middle of the range. Not the really hot one, not the underpowered one and, and often we will be yes sometimes 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 we uh, so yes I mean, the point being is that you know there's a sort of natural progression isn't there and if a car manufacturer um produces a car which is the ultimate it's the, it's the fastest the most powerful it's the most expensive then there's a sort of an assumption there mm. that um therefore it's going to be the best and i think we are going to be saying during the course of this podcast that that may be the case it is very often not the case and here are some examples where that's absolutely not the case. Mm. And sometimes you do want the baby one. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you do want the best one. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> but we'll get into all of that. And there are lots of examples. This is yeah. one of those topics. We're very, very close to episode 200 now, which means... We've been doing this for nearly four years. Nearly four years. Feels like that. This should be one of those topics that we've done already, and perhaps we have. I don't know. Someone's going to. I wonder how many people are sitting there looking at their screen. Yeah. Going, Hang on, we've done this, this all sounds frightfully familiar. But I'm, I'm sure we'll come up with different cars. So yeah, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll re revisit it. Um, now this is a good time to do this because a few weeks ago, you and I got together in South Wales yep. with a pair of Boxsters, Porsche Boxsters. Yes. Um, of course. The Spider RS is not actually called a Boxster, apparently, it's a Boxster. but that's what it is. Um, and up against it, we had the magnificent 718 Boxster GTS 4 litre. Yes. Which is down 100 horsepower. Yes. It's £50,000 cheaper. 50000 I mean, for the avoidance of that, that is damn nearly another Boxster. Yeah, baby. That is yeah, damn nearly a whole, I think it's like 93% of an entire other Boxster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it just raises a question, doesn't it? Why Why would you go and spend the extra 50K on the Spider RS as as an example, for instance? Well, I wouldn't. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> I'd be, so we had these two cars together <clears throat> with a third car, an interloper, actually. Um, and if you watch the video or go and read the story, um, there are links in the description. You can you can read about what that interloper is. Um, but the point is, we didn't necessarily have Spider RS weather, did we? No, and I think it's an important point to make because um, you know we can, we can only report as we find in the circumstances we find ourselves. Uh, but to be fair, you know, a little bit above or a little bit below freezing in a car with a temporary roof structure on Michelin Pilot Cup 2 tyres is not going to play to its strengths. And I think we have to mm. acknowledge that point. Um, and the fact that it was quite 
skittish as a result, I don't think has a thing to do with the way the car is fundamentally engineered and it's got everything to do with the tyres being completely out of their operating um, mm. temperature window. So, yes. But even so, you know, given that car is not a limited production car, yep. given it doesn't have some of the things that you'd expect any quite expensive convertible to have, like heated seats or a heated steering wheel, Given that <laughs> we literally needed a Rolls-Royce aerospace engineer <laughs> to help us put the roof back on the thing. And I'm sure you'd learn how to do it. And we had a video. Yeah. And it still took an age. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know, yeah, you would learn how to do it. So maybe this isn't a problem for owners. Maybe this is just a problem for motoring Germans. So we shouldn't dwell on it. But even so, um, I could just remember turning up in it, having had quite a hairy ride over there. And you were sitting there in your warm four litre GTS and I said I think you need to put the roof down and you sort of glared at me <laughs> and extended a digit of one finger yeah. and pulled back a little button and then it just and, and watched while it was all just done for you um, and I, I like to, you know and I just remember thinking to myself well what are these cars designed to do what are they there to do they're not just there if they're there just to be fun cars then that's an aerial atom isn't it mm, go really fun yeah yeah um you know, even a caterham has some pretense to um, well, civility is probably too strong a word, but you know you can get them with screens and heaters and, and everything else. And so that's not what that car is about. It's about providing an amount of fun in an environment where you can enjoy it quite a lot of the time. And what the spider does, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit about what it does well. Um, but what it does, it just massively reduces that window. Yeah. You just you just drive it a lot less often. Mm. And I'm sure that people who have those cars, they've probably got lots of other cars which they drive the rest of the time, and that's fine. But, you know, we can only look at these things in isolation. And, you know, a car which you wouldn't want to drive in the UK, frankly, most of the time, I think that's fair, um, is a flawed car. Whereas a GTS, you know. Wonderful thing. Anywhere you like. Yeah. When it, at any time you like. All year round, any yeah. weather, any roads, yeah. any task. Yeah. yeah. And, and three pedals. Yeah. You can have three, three pedals if you want. You get a manual gearbox, which you can't get with the Spider RS. And, and that's the other thing about the Spider RS. It's, I understand completely that, you know, that this is not a track car. Uh, like the Cayman GT4 RS. It's very close sister. Uh, they have the same engine, same platform, same everything. But, you know, they have... It doesn't have any aero on it, mm. um, and they soften off the suspension. And the philosophy behind that car is not that it should be great at going around a track or setting a lap time or anything like that, but it should be the most fun thing in that kind of area to drive down a decent road. But if that's the case... Why not let it have a manual gearbox? Mm. Oh, because it's an RS and RS is don't have mm. manual gearbox. And I just don't buy that. I read somewhere that it doesn't fit, you can't do it, but it fits a four-litre engine on the GTS. Yeah. So why can't it fit a four-litre engine in a, in a, in a Spyder? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, but, you know, it seems to me that the GTS allows you, the owner, to tailor the car to your requirements a lot where the Spyder RS, frankly, they're saying, well, this is it. This is the car. Off mm. you go. Mm. If you don't like that, buy something else. Mm. It's almost, yeah. Oh, but let's imagine conditions were very much in the Spider RS's favour. Yeah. Okay, so let's imagine it was June. It was the Route Napoleon. Yeah. It's going to be clearly much more in its element. You're going to have a ball. Do you think you're going to have far more of a ball yes. than in the well, GTS? Yeah, well, far more. I think you're going to have you're going to have quite a lot more fun mm. um, because yeah. you know I don't think actually you're going to sit there and thinking you know I think it would feel I know it would feel a bit sharper and everything else but actually it's that engine isn't it mm. I mean the four liter engine in the GTS it's a great engine it sounds great it's a sort of classical barrel chested flat six naturally S rated lovely engine um, but the four liter engine in the Spider RS is a maniac mm, it's a screamer I mean it's absolute I mean I mean, I, I, I will never say that a wonderful engine noise can be too loud, but if ever one could have been, <laughs> that's it, isn't it? It gets close. Because with those intakes right next to your, to your right lug hole. Um, and there's a sense of, I mean, clearly there's, there's the power, 493 horsepower. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it, that the first Boxster in 1997 had 204 horsepower. Mm. 
this has almost 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and the power of the thing is is fantastic. But it's the fact that, you know, where most other engines are kind of like giving up at six and a half, seven thousand revs, this one's just going, hey, we just Let's arrived go. at the party. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and it really does go straight round to 9,000. And it's, it, it is an absolute, it's an epic titan of an engine. Mm. And that is very, very special. And you mm. can never deny that. And there, I think there will be a lot of people who just think, well, you know, I pay that much more just to have that, you know, under my engine cover. Yeah, that's fair enough, isn't yeah, it, really? Yeah, fair enough. It is. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you can no longer order one, which is why it wasn't part of this test. But there is the Boxster Spider. Yeah. So not the RS. Yeah. And it sort of ideologically sits between the two cars we're discussing. Yes. Um, but might that be the sweet spot? It doesn't have the full Porsche Motorsport engine, but you can have a manual. Um, it's significantly cheaper, or it was, yeah. when it was new, than the Spider RS. Um, I just, I'm just sort of positing that perhaps that is the Goldilocks car, or do you actually think it is the? Okay, the why is it? Why is it going to be better than a GTS? Yeah, because it, it doesn't have the engine. Yeah, it doesn't have the the Spider RS engine. Yeah. Um, so I think the GTS, whether, whether, whether you're whether you're talking about a a Cayman or a Boxster, I think the GTS is just is just where it's at. I think mm. a GTS is. Um, I can remember when I first drove a. Came in GTS, just thinking. Well, I mean, it's just, mm. it's just everything you want a car to be. Mm. It does, it does it all. It does manual Cayman GTS. Wow. I think the the point about the the Cayman in particular, because it's a coupe, that really is a year round sports mm. car. Hundred percent. It's it's comfortable. The ride in the Boxster, just in normal driving, is really good. The Cayman will be the same. Um, good cabin, sensible tires, so you can clear standing water. They work in the cold. Yeah. Um, Year round, it's just you can do whatever you need to do. If you don't need any more space, that car will do it all. Mm. And I find that really compelling. Compelling, is the word, yeah. And great if you've got space at home, you've got the money, and you've got other cars, and you can put a yeah, Spider I mean, RS. If, if, in. if it's a toy, and you've got loads of other toys, yeah. and you know, I know people, I know well, you know, one or two people who have got literally dozens of toys, mm. and you know, they quite they expect sometimes to go entire years without any of these cars coming out. <laughs> And then the fact that, you know, your Spider RS just sits there for months and months ago, it doesn't really matter very much. Mm. And if you're that person, well, good luck to you. And I'm sure you'll enjoy it on those rare occasions when you're able to enjoy it. Um, it's, a fun, it's a fantastic thing. Mm. All right, let's move on from Caymans and Boxsters. Yeah. I just want to talk Caterhams. Caterham 7. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So we have to find, we have to pinpoint the sweet spot in the lineup. Now, I don't have it in front of me, and the lineup seems to change all the time, but by and large, there's a little one with a three-cylinder turbo motor. No, you don't want that. There's a, a, a big one with a supercharged no, you don't want that. something, four-cylinder, with yeah. a load of power. Yeah. But then there'll be a handful in the middle with a naturally aspirated... 420 is where it's at. 420 is the one. Yeah. Because it's got a bit of that ferociousness... It's got oh, massive. It, I mean, it feels overpowered, but without being absurd like the supercharged I mean, ones. So, because I didn't know you were going to say that, I haven't got the figures to hand. But this is still a car weighing half a ton, yeah. which has two hundred and something horsepower. Yeah. So I mean, oh. it, 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 they go like rockets. Yeah. I drove that. <coughs> excuse me. I can't even remember what they, what do they call it. That sort of the, the race car which they've made road legal. Uh, is it 420 Cup? Yeah, 420, with, with the sequential gear. Well, you don't want any yeah. of that. No, um, no. <laughs> You want the standard car with a limited slip diff if it doesn't come as standard, but I think it does. All the weather equipment. Mm. I, I mean, as a caterham owner, which I am, um, you know, the you know people will sort of look at you slightly askance because, you know, you've you, you've succumbed to such luxuries as a windscreen. Mm. Yeah, and a hood, <laughs> and a, and a God forbid, a heater. Yeah, but actually, it's it's what we said so often, isn't it? It just allows you to yeah. use the car more. It makes the difference. It yeah. makes the difference, and also, um, I mean, I can remember I was doing a job. In fact, I might have been doing it with you up on you know one of those Welsh hills, and it it had just started to rain as we finished, and I put pop the hood up because I'm quite good at that now, and I went home, cosy, beyond belief. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it was great. So anyway, so but back to what you were saying. Yeah, so it's it's the four twenty because the supercharged car. Thing about that is, unless you're driving as fast as you possibly can all the time, there's no point being in it. Mm. 
That's what it's there for. It's be you know you've got to drive it like a complete lunatic all the time. There's literally no point getting out of the the little three cylinder thing is is kind of fun, but it's not where it's at. You would quite soon find yourself craving a bit more power, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, and you know and the turbo engine has limitations. I think it's got a live axle at the back, and there there are all sorts of you know potential issues with it. Um, whereas actually, I think there's a three ten as well. There's a yeah. You know, there's like a 1600, isn't there? And there's a two litre and, and, and either of those. And I think it's always been that way with Caterhams. I think it's all, I think there are those cars, you know, there's there's the Caterham that you buy because you're desperate to get a Caterham and it's all you can afford. And that's terrific um, because, you know, any Caterham is an occasion. And then there are the Caterhams for the absolute diehards um, who want to spend all their time whizzing around tracks. But actually it's the mainstream Caterhams. So it's just for people who just want the most fun, best handling car, pretty much any amount of money can buy, mm. um, but which is usable, which you can do a distance in um, without, you know, getting out at the other end, feeling that, you know, you need to go and you know lie down for a few hours. Um, and, yeah, that's where it's at. We had one. When I was at Evo, we had a long-termer for six months, nine months or something. Um, it was a 420. <clears throat> and that is absolutely the sweet spot of the range for me because – it's not a total lunatic yeah. like the supercharged ones, as you say. Um, you can just bimble about in it if you want. But I remember doing a track day. It was a mission motorsport thing yeah. where you, you drive a load of their beneficiaries around um, and try and give them a bit of a, maybe not a fright, but a bit of a thrill. Yeah. Um, and it was Donington, <clears throat> and I had this Caterham. And it was just absolutely superb. They just stand up to all the abuse you can chuck yeah. at them on a track day. Um, and I just remember lap after lap after lap doing third gear skids all the way around Redgate's the first corner, isn't yeah. it? Just thinking, you don't ever need anything more than this, surely, on and, the track there. And if someone's never been in a car like that, if their experience of sort of fast cars is um, maybe sort of, you know, MX-5s or even anything up to, I don't know, 911s, yeah. there is nothing like getting into a catering for the first time. Oh. It's just like... Your eyes open, and you suddenly think, and you just think, "Oh, I see." Yeah. I didn't know it could be like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a. They are fantastic cars. Yeah. Um, every example we've given so far, having said that, they're not necessarily from the middle of the range. Have been from have the been of- from the middle of the range. Let me just give you one more from the middle of the range. Yeah. Um, but this was quite good because it it illustrates the point quite nicely, right? The Mercedes AMG GT. Um, <clears throat> it's a fairly there are lots of models in the range. You've got the AMG GT, the basic one. Yeah. GTS, GTC, GTR, GTR Pro, and then the Black Series. So they just get more and more powerful, more aero, noisier, harder, stiffer as you go. And I always remember thinking very, it's very the GTC, clearly. Isn't it? GTC, it's, it's the, the one. GTC. Because it's... Yeah, I'm having to think now because... Frankly, there have been so many of them. You're yeah. just kind of, you know, trying to remember which one. But it is the GTC. You're the, absolutely the key, right. The key for me is that it had the wider track of the bigger cars. Yeah. And it had rear steer. But it didn't have rock-hard suspension. It didn't have really daft tires. Um, and it still looked pretty subtle. But because it had the wider tracks, quite menacing. And it was just far and away the best one. You know, I haven't actually driven the Black Series, but... It's one of those cars so singular, so narrow-minded that anything outside of its comfort zone, it's just going to be a bit of a liability. It's going to frustrate you. The the exception to that rule, just talking Black Series, was the SLS. Oh, that's a great car. And the thing about the SLS, and, and the surprising thing about the Black Series, was that any normal SLS, i.e. non-Black Series SLS, is if you're going to drive drive it fast, and I kind of hope people who have SLS do drive them fast, they're actually quite difficult to drive fast. Are they? Yeah. They're quite, in fact, no, they're very spiky. Wow. Um, I can remember going to drive, this must have been 10, 12 years ago, the GT3 race car. Yeah. The SLS GT3 race car. And it was at Hockenheim, and I hadn't been there for a while, so they just gave me a normal SLS to learn the circuit, and I went off and did 10 laps in that or something. And I came back. You know, quite sweaty and thinking, oh bloody hell! If that's what the road car's like, mm. what's the race car going to be like? And the answer is the race type. The race car was like twenty times easier, doddle by comparison. Mm. Um, and yeah, so the so the so the, the standard road going SLS is 
Um, it's not a very friendly, forgiving car if you're going to drive it like that. But the Blacks, the Black Series, you know, on top of look, you're looking so much better and going so much faster and everything else, it just dealt with all of that. Yeah. It was just suddenly terrific to drive. And you could really lean on it and you could skid it about. And you suddenly thought, well, they could do that with this. Why did they not? It's mm. really strange. Mm. And it's got a phenomenal engine, that SLS Black Series. Yeah. I th it's one of my favourite engines. It's, yeah. it, it's sensational. Um, but there you go. That is a good example then of the Goldilocks car in the SLS range being the top one, the yeah. big one, the powerful yeah, one. Yeah, and there are the others which we, which we may or may not get to. So can you come up with the opposite? An example of the Goldilocks car being the cheapest, the slowest. Well, only okay. I get it. Yeah, fine. I will do it if you promise me your reaction to what I say takes less than a minute. <laughs> I, I I know exactly what you're going to say. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. I'll be in a one time. <laughs> Should we just get this one out of the way very quickly? I mean, we even spoke about Alpines a couple of weeks ago, didn't oh, we? Oh, did we? Well, I thought we did it every week. Well, I know. Well, yeah, but we did the range. We did literally this conversation. We spoke about all the different models. But they just to get it out of the way, that is a good example of a car where the most enjoyable one is the cheapest one. Yeah. They just get more powerful, slightly more complicated, and less fun to drive. Yeah. Certainly in normal use on the road. Um, so... Okay. We've got that out of the way, right? Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a much more interesting example. Okay. okay. This isn't quite the bottom one. It's one off the bottom. Mm. You're going to like this. I think this, is a, I think this is a good one. Go on. Mini Cooper. What, what era are we talking? Any era. Any, well, not, okay. not 60s, but any since the new Mini came out in 19... Okay, so you're, you're saying not the, not the one or whatever the basic one not is. Not the one, but, but certainly not... A JCW, not absolutely not a GP, GP works thing. thing or anything else. Yeah. A Cooper S sometimes, yeah. but actually, for me, I've always thought that I once drove a, I mean, not that long ago, I drove a bog Mini Cooper from London to somewhere in Denmark in one hit, thinking this is going to be a bit of a chore. This is going to be, it was the only thing that was knocking about at the time which I could borrow, and I went in it. And I just thought it was lovely. I just thought it was just such a nicely realized well-engineered car and sometimes you get that feeling don't you? You, you sometimes you get in a car and you think haha this is the car this is the, the actual car they developed 95 mm. percent of the engineering went on this car mm. and the other five percent went on developing its spin-offs mm. but this is where all the money got spent they got that one right yeah and so they yeah so they took a bit out to make the one and they added a bit on to make all the others but this is where the effort was this is the car they wanted to make and that's what a Mini Cooper is to me. I mm. think a Mini Cooper hatch is an absolutely... I, don't, I certainly, in the whole modern era of Minis, and I've driven almost all of them, I've never driven anything that I have admired more than a pretty standard Mini Cooper. It's a lovely thing. That is a superb example. Yeah. Do you know, I can't remember the last time I drove one. I've driven all the quick, whizzy ones. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I drove a Bogo basic one either. But... I can well imagine it is it is the the cheaper models that. What was that last one that came out? The, the, was it the GP Works? The two? It was yeah, just terrible with, with the, thing. The spat things on the wings. Dreadful yeah. car. Yeah, <laughs> it, it annoyed you, didn't it? That one. Just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, one or two of the the earlier ones were quite fun. They weren't so bombastic. Yeah, I think the first GP Works was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah, but no. Yeah, that is a, that's a very good example. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, I mean, at some point, <clears throat> at some point, we're going to have to come onto nine elevens. 
Yeah, well, it's just I mean, crushingly obvious. I mean, okay. isn't it? Well, yes, yes, it is. I, I, there, there's a well, should we do it? Should we do it now? Okay. There's a specific 9/11 point I want to make, um, which is absolutely germane to this conversation. I've never driven a turbo that I preferred to a standard 9/11. Yes. Hmm. And that's not really to diss turbos because mm. I've liked turbos. Actually, I think the current turbo is a fantastic thing. Yeah, it is. Um, and this and the current turbo is probably the car that has come closest. But I've always thought that I'm not really that interested in all that extra power. And what you lose in throttle response and rev range and, and probably more than anything else, just the sound of the thing, it, it, it just hasn't... It just doesn't add up to me. And, it, and it's interesting, isn't it, that Porsche felt the need to develop this whole other strand of cars, all the GT cars, mm. as the sports cars, which are completely separate and distinct to the turbos. Um, usually, apart from GT2, it's less powerful than the turbos because within Porsche, clearly there's a recognition that just because it's the fastest doesn't mean it's the funniest. Um, and turbos have always been... I mean, they're so impressive. Their ability to cover the ground in all sorts of conditions, is absolutely... They are astonishingly quick, those cars, yeah. across the ground. So capable. Yeah. It's amazing. But, but they just don't... They just don't quite do it for me. You mm. just don't, Because they're that much heavier and also that much wider, mm. um, they just miss out on a bit too much of what I want a 911 to be. Well, also, I can imagine back in... The, imagine 996 days... When a Carrera or Carrera S had 300, 300 and a bit horsepower. Yeah. Not that f quick enough, but not that fast, really. Yeah. Not if you want that rush in the back. Yeah. If you wanted that rush, you needed a turbo. Yes. But nowadays, a Carrera S is turbocharged. Yeah. That is a fantastically quick car. Yeah, and it's got 450 horsepower, whatever. It's still, yeah. you know, it's probably got more power now than a turbo had then. Yeah, it has, yeah. Um, yeah. So you're, you're getting that rush, that kick. If that's what you like from a Carrera these so days. So the argument for a turbo, I think there is an argument for a nine nine six or early nine nine seven era because those were Metzger engines, mm. and so they were really, really proper engines back in the days when non-turbo nine elevens, as we all know, had engines which um, you know which suffered a bit from various issues. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's an argument for them. But no, generally speaking, Carrera two or turbo. It's Carrera too. I have to say the turbo, I do I do like them a lot. Whether, right. whether or not I would choose one over a, the right Carrera, I don't know. But they, well, the amazing thing about the turbo is that it's it has got crushing pace. It's it's one of the most accelerative cars you can feel you can you can drive on the road because it puts that power down partly because of the way the engine is, mm. partly because it drives the front wheels as well. Yeah. So it it's. It actually has 650 horsepower, whatever yeah. the output is. It, it doesn't just say that on a speck of paper, on a piece of paper, you know. It has that power in the real world, yeah. and it puts it down. And so I've driven cars that, many cars that on paper have an awful lot more power. But you can't use. And they don't feel faster. No. They just do not feel no. I always think a, a, a modern 911 Turbo S is still the benchmark for that raw acceleration. I also think that Porsche... I was about to say cheat, and I decided not to. I don't think they do, but I've always been struck by you know when they when they do those those sort of drag race things, yeah. And there's always a 911 turbo or something. The Porsches just do so much better than their on paper statistics suggest. It's they unbelievable. I've done a lot of those. Yeah, and so it's have unbelievable. I. Yeah. And I think that Porsche just, I just think they don't feel the need to brag. I think, mm. and, I, and I know the Volkswagen Group. They're always it should infuriate me. Um, when back in the day I used to do some stuff for Bentley um, when I wasn't working as a journalist um, or writing about Bentleys at least. Um, and I remember when the Flying Spur came out in the, whenever it was in the mid-2000s and this was a car which would do 200 miles an hour all day long and they wouldn't say it would. It would. Mm. Oh no, no, because you know we'll, 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 we'll say 198 because we know that if it's you know 52 degrees and <laughs> blowing a gale and everything else that you know there might be a circumstance where we, and we don't want to be caught out by someone saying hard oh, this car and 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 I think that's I think that's Porsche got a bit of that. I think their I think their figures are really really modest. So it'll do the claimed any day. Any day, yeah, yeah. More, whatever surface within reason, yeah, exactly, yeah, whatever and, the and, fuel and, and a bit, yeah. yeah, and a bit. And actually, the amazing thing about launching those nine eleven turbos, which is such a banal thing to do, but we've we've both done it a lot. They just keep doing it. Yeah. They just keep going, and 
uh, something like a Nissan GTR in particular, you know, I've raced those two cars head to head against each other, and the GTRs will launch three, four times, and then they decide they've had enough. Don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. But the turbos will just keep doing it, keep bouncing off the line. It is amazing. Um, during the course of this episode, I want to just imagine one or two of my sort of fantasy Goldilocks cars, and I have one for the 911. Uh, so this is like a sort of this like a sort of Frankenstein goldilocks it is. car. So you see, you're it taking various bits. Yeah, it doesn't is it called exist. a Dakar? No, it's not actually okay. called a Dakar. Although that is a cool car. No, it's it's a car that doesn't exist, but could surely it could exist if they if Porsche just said, okay, tick these two boxes, and all of a sudden you've got that dream car, right? I want a Carrera T. Yeah, but I want the four liter flat six from the uh, Cayman and Boxster GTS twins. With the six-speed manual. Yeah, it's got to be doable, isn't it? You'd think so. Because you can they, get a four-litre engine in the back of a 911 easily enough. GT3. They haven't put... They, yes, they, yes, you can. But they haven't put that engine in a 911 at all, have they? No. No, they, they haven't used it in anything. Oh, like that would be now. lovely, wouldn't it? So you'd get... It would... Although, although I have to say, I think that three-litre turbo engine, now that it's evolved a bit, I think it is... A three liter, particularly in a T, when it's not got a lot of boost, mm. so it's not you know it's not running a lot of compression, and and you get really good throttle. I think that is as good a turbocharged engine as there is as is out there. I think it's 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 world class as a turbo yeah. engine. Yeah, but it doesn't spin to almost eight. No, um, it comes with that seven speed manual. It's actually a good manual now. Again, they've developed it and developed it. Yeah. When it first came out in the nine nine one in what twenty ten, yeah, it was very. It was just like the ch- the shift quality wasn't great. Because it, it's basically, somebody's going to say I'm talking rubbish here. I might be. I don't think so. I think it's ba- it's related to the PDK, yeah, isn't it? it? Yeah, I think so. They manualized the, the PD- PDK, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. Um, but they but they've really improved the shift quality. But yeah, two things about it: one is they have improved the shift quality, but it's still nothing like as good as the six speed. Mm. And also, just seven gears. It's just even, it's just too bloody many. I, <laughs> and they always and they, they, and they said when I first said this a dozen no more. God, fourteen years ago. Well, you'll get used to it. Yeah. You, you'll be amazed yeah, at how yeah. you. It's been 14 years now. It's still not. I still have. It's still too many gears. So that there's my dream. <laughs> Excuse me. There's my dream 911. A, a, a Carrera T yeah. with the four liter naturally aspirated engine from the the Carrera and Boxster GTS. Um, now there are rumours. So we've got a, the revised, the facelifted 911 coming soon. Mm. Um, and there are rumours out there about what what's going to come along. Um, it's the so the 992.2. Um, and there is talk of there being a naturally aspirated engine that's going to get fitted to a non-GT product. They think GTS, so you know, normally aspirated, high revving, flat six in the GTS. But I, I want it in one of the smaller cars. I can't sit. Well, do you know? I I've heard all sorts of rumours yeah. about that car. Um, I haven't heard that one. Well, who knows how okay. true it is? I I just. I think it would be a really difficult sell because yeah. unless they're going to tune the bejesus out of it, which I guess they might, but then they've got a GT3 engine. So let's say it's still got you know 400-odd horsepower. Well, in a GTS, that's going to be less power than, than an S has. Mm. Um, mm. And it's a naturally aspirated air. I don't know. I mm, that's why I think it would sit better in a Carrera T or just a Carrera. A base car in a Carrera. Yeah. Other that, I can see. Do you know what? Porsche have always said that they intentionally celebrate the most basic 911 you can get. So that when, you know, you might have lusted after a 911 all your life. Yeah. You eventually manage to buy one. Yeah. You can only afford the basic one. Yeah. But because Porsche has celebrated that basic car all this time, you don't feel bad about that. No. You feel like you're in the 911 family. You, you, yeah, exactly. You don't sit there thinking... Oh well, it's 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 sort of a nine eleven, but it's not mm. it's not a real nine eleven. It's not the nine eleven I really want. It's only the nine eleven I can afford. And you get you get that if, even if you drive a, I drove a T to the Goodwood. What was it? I guess it was the Festival of Speed this year, last year. Uh, and drove a standard car, base Carrera back. Very nice. Mm, Apart lovely. from the fact you can't get a manual gearbox in it. No, that's true. So that's what I'm saying. But Porsche could really celebrate the the most basic nine eleven you can buy if. That was the one that offered a naturally aspirated engine and a six-speed yeah, but, manual. But, but that was obviously being kept as a sort of USP for the T, wasn't it? it? Well, are we digressing? Maybe just a little bit. Go on, give us a couple more examples. Goldilocks cars. I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here. 
So all those we're going to Ferrari now. Ooh, good eye. All those sort of whizzy special yeah. versions. Yes. Okay. So I'm talking about the 430 Scuderia. Yeah. The 458 Speciale. The 488 Pista. I never drove one that I preferred to the normal car. This is interesting because and I, I, I think that, I think what I'm saying, people, there will be some people. Quite a lot of the motoring journalists who listen to this will think that's a complete heresy. Yes, that's what I was going to say, and, and, and will think that I have completely and utterly lost the plot. But yeah. it goes back to this thing that you know that I, in particular, and, and us in general, have gone on about usability, yeah, and about opportunity, and how important a role, how much you get to, or how much you feel inclined to use your car, plays in the enjo- the overall enjoyment you get from your car. Mm. And I think so. I think a Ferrari four eight eight GTB is one of the great cars. I think a Ferrari 458 GTB is one of the great cars. 458 Italia, yeah. Italia, even. Yes, good point. Um, and I don't know, for all the extra speed and razzmatazz and noise and, you know, in your face and everything else, um, again, in very specific circumstances, mm. terrific, fine, great. But it's not as if the cars they're derived from are in any way deficient in those mm. areas. And actually, I've always felt you lost more than you gained. With the exception, and it's only because the standard car wasn't very good, um, of the Challenge Stradale 360, mm. which was fantastic. Brilliant. Challenge Stradale, but it's because it's the reverse. It's because the 458 and the 488 and the 430 were such good cars that their derivatives, to me, just didn't quite add up in quite the same way. Whereas with the 360, which wasn't that great a car, mm. it's the reason the Challenge Stradale really shines. I've not driven a Challenge Stradale, oh. but I, I remember when they were new, I was a lad, and I just thought, God, that is a special I wasn't car. meant to drive one. What did you do? I nicked one. <laughs> I think I can say this now. Hang on. I, I, I said, no, someone you and I both know had one. Okay. Um, and there was no way I, could, I can't remember whether Ferrari weren't very happy with it. I can't, I can't remember what the circumstances was but I had no other opportunity and um, yeah someone you and I both know had one and um, yes I, I I found myself in it good oh <laughs> there you go so 458 Speciale I, I think that's a phenomenal car it is but I never drove a 458 Italia so such a good car I can't say whether or not it's better such or a good car yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, you know, obviously the Speciale's got an even more incredible engine, but I just never felt the need to just go ten percent more for the sake mm. of it. Mm. Um, it's interesting that you really rate the four eight eight GTB. I do. I do too, and the F eight that came after it. Yeah, they are staggeringly good cars. Mm. I'm um, not sure that the F eight was necessarily, you know, a night and day. No, it wasn't. You know, it was basically they were just trying to extend the life of the car a bit, weren't yeah, they? they were. Before they could launch the two nine six. It was basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I, do you know what some people will miss about those the F eight and the four eight eight compared to earlier ones is that you got the turbo engine, and they would say that a, a mid engine V eight Ferrari should howl. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'm not sure I, but the, but the trouble is, I, I don't miss it. When I'm driving those turbo cars, I don't think I miss the soundtrack. And I actually, and this is probably, <clears throat> this reveals a lot about where I sit on these things at the moment. I quite like that the soundtrack's a bit more muted because you're in. Oh, you're getting old, Dan. I know. You're in a, a two seat mid engine Ferrari. You can tell you got married and had a kid recently, can't you? People, <laughs> people are going to look, right? Particularly if it's a press car and it's bright yellow or red or something. I don't mind if it's not super noisy. No. Oh, I don't know. I think that there is always something about a Ferrari engine absolutely running. Okay, out. I, I get, that. I get um, that. But actually, I think I think I think there is also something else going on here, which is entirely to um, Ferrari's credit, which is that I think we actually enjoy those cars for other reasons. Now, I think the reason that I enjoy a four eight eight has got at least as much to do with their chassis as this engine, probably yeah. more actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think also, I think an additional point is, is that when you have a chassis that good, 
the torque of the turbo, its ability to exploit that chassis and to really give it proper work to yeah. do is not to be underestimated. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of that in there. And I think it's great that, you know, there was a time, goodness knows I'm old enough to remember it, when, you know, Ferraris, but, but there's the old, you know, the whole hoary saying about you bought the engine and they chucked the rest of the car in free. Mm. Um, that is so not the case these days, no, isn't it? No, the rest of the car is staggering. These yeah, days. I mean, a 488 GT, I mean, I can remember we had one at, where were we? Oh, years ago up at Anglesey. You could, you could just do anything with it. Mm. And you're thinking, hang on, this is a mid-engine Ferrari. I'm really mm. not meant to be, you know, skidding this around like a Mark II Escort. Mm. But here I am. Here I am, and that's <laughs> what it's doing, and it seems to be very happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had the same um, in a 488 Pista at Anglesey. Yeah. I just remember th I jumped in it. A couple of laps later, I was driving it absolutely as hard as I dared. And I'm thinking, this is a 700-horsepower mid-engine Ferrari. This should be a fearsome thing. Yeah. It's just not. It is amazing. Is it... Um, does it count in this conversation if I point out, in sort of well, Goldilocks terms, a 296 GTB relative to an SF90? Does that count? So, we, yes, we can, we can let it pass. We can let it pass. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, a 296 GTB is one of the great cars. It's one of the great Ferraris. An SF90, I just, you know, I, th I think I wrote, um, and when I had... I did a piece uh, about driving a 296 GTB every day. It's yeah. my daily driver. And I think we call it the Daily Express. Mm -hmm. And it's on the TI website now. Um, and I can remember writing in that piece, the more I drive this car, the more pointless the SF90 SF yeah. seems. Or worse to that effect. Um, and it is. Because mm -hmm. what does the SF90 give you? It gives you a load more power, but with it comes a load more weight. You lose your boot... And that that delicious on-limit balance that a 296 GTB, you know, on-limit on the SF90, and Ferrari would say I'm not driving it properly, which may be true, but nevertheless, I don't think you can guarantee that everybody who buys one will know how to drive whatever Ferrari describes as properly. You just never, I just never knew what it was going to do. I mm. never knew what the front axle was going to do. I never knew whether the front axle was going to let it drift or whether it was going to think, oh, blimey, he doesn't know what he's up to. I better pull it straight now. Mm. And whether it would oversteer or understeer, or, or, you know, you just didn't know where you're at. So you lost, so you lost confidence in it. And cars like that, if you're not confident in driving them that way, then, you know, a huge amount of their appeal disappears. Whereas the 296, do anything you like. I remember I was at Fiorano to drive the SF90 and it had the... Assetto Fiorano pack. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and at that time, it was the fastest road legal car around Fiorano that Ferrari had yeah. ever produced. I believe that's right. And I drove it absolutely as quick as I dared in those two four lap sessions <laughs> that you get when you go and do these things. Yes. And there's a video to be done at the same time. Yeah. And you earn your living that day, don't you? <laughs> getting out of it and thinking, really thinking that that was staggeringly fast, but. I don't feel charged by it. I don't mm. feel um, like the adrenaline's going. It's sort of unmoved. And then the next day, it was the 812 Competizione, which is not the fastest Ferrari road car around Fiorano. But my goodness me, I stepped out of it just quivering with excitement, just absolutely abuzz. And it was a, it was a very vivid demonstration, that visit. Anyway, another one? Okay, so this is... This is the entry level car. It's, it's quite a high entry point, but it is nevertheless the entry level point. And goodness knows there have been enough above it since then. Audi R8. Gosh, yeah. And I'm talking. Well, actually, it's still it's still true today. Mm. If you buy, God, if you can still get them, I think they are still on sale. If you buy a base rear wheel drive, mm. um, nice car, lovely car, best R8. Mm. But it it was even more true if that's even a term, um, you know, back in the day when they were new. Yeah. Um, a manual V8 R8. So still the best R8 is the, the first one. Very first one. They've never topped it. Never topped it. <laughs> no. No. You, yeah, you make a very good point about the, the rear drive cars. But I remember doing an auto car handling day up at Anglesey, and the rear drive R8 got a bit of a whipping because there were so many other more extreme cars, more track-focused cars there. Yeah. And certainly around track, the R8 was not was out of its comfort zone. I think it cooked its brakes and the tyres weren't quite up to the task. 
But then I just remember thinking to myself, yeah, that's all well and good. It's not a track car. We know that. But the rest of the time, this mm. is going to be a lovely thing. Mm. And we've all got four or five hours to get home. I want to take this. I want to take that. <laughs> That'll be the R8, please. Yeah. 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 That's, the R8's a very, very good example. Um, as we, ever, we are running out of time. Oh, I'm can, sure you've got can, more. Well, I, well I, do, I do a few more, but maybe I won't go into all of them now. Um, but ju ju just that thread of cars that were at their best when they were new and yeah. all subsequent versions got worse. <laughs> um, E-Type Jaguar. Oh, really? Yeah. Never got better. Okay, so the first Series 1, 3.8, you know, flat floor, the show car, the 1961 car, that was... In 1961, given that it was half the price of the equivalent Ferrari or Aston Martin, it, it was absolutely jaw-dropping. And then from then on, it just got... They lost the purity, particularly when they made it longer. They gave it rear seats. They put the V... The V12 engine is a lovely engine, but it didn't shouldn't have been in that car. They lost the look. They lost the line. It, they made it softer, more cumbersome. It was never, ever better. When did it get that awkward coupe roof line on it? Uh, make space for the rear passengers, I guess. Yeah, so that would have been in about, well, I can't remember when the 2 plus 2 came out. It would have been 66, 67, something like that. Mm. And it struggled on to 1975 when it was really bulbous and it had the V12 in it. Um, and that, yeah, that was a car which was, you know, yeah, the earliest ones. Another example is from exactly the same era, the Aston Martin DB4. Everybody goes on about the DB5 James Bond car. Mm. Um, a DB5 is a nice touring car. God, that sounded patronising. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Aston Martin in the 1950s were making sports cars, proper driver's cars. If you drive any kind of DB2, I mean, they're wonderful. You can't say this anymore. But if I if I could say it, I'd say gentleman's carriage. Mm. Um, but that all changed when they made the DB4 in 1959, which was a lovely car, still quite sporting. Um, but then the DB5 came out, which was a bit bigger, a bit softer, the DB6 came out, which was even bigger, even softer. DBS came out, even bigger, even softer. And they just lost it. Mm. They just lost it. And that wonderful purity, which they'd had um, in the 50s, just slowly ebbed away. Mm. Yeah, that's actually, that's probably another topic, isn't it? We could do that in... Cars that, only, that only got worse. Yeah. Yeah, yes. all the progress in entirely the wrong direction. <laughs> Right, well, have you got any more? Can we... Uh, I, don't, I don't know how much time we've we got. A couple of minutes. I bet I can uh, see you've got a whole list oh there. Oh, God. Uh, well, I can go on about Lotus Esprit and Lotus Esprit. Okay, Lotus Esprit S3 is a better car than Lotus Esprit Turbo. Uh, an 8-valve Golf GTI is a better car than a 16-valve Golf GTI. Um, God, we're getting specific. Uh, an Audi TTS is better than an Audi TT RS. Yes. We've got loads of these. The 2002 TII BMW is better than a 2002 Turbo, or probably slightly less amusing. A Ferrari 365 GTC4 is a better car than <laughs> a Daytona. I've got lots down here. Taycan. Taycan, the best Taycan. Rear is... drive? No, I would or go. Just, or a 4 a G a 4S. Or Either a 4S or a GTS. It's not yeah. a Turbo or a Turbo S. Yeah. Have you ever done a full bore acceleration on a Turbo S? You'll only do it once because it's not a very nice experience. Yeah. It's like getting yeah, punched in the guts. I mean, it's yeah. just... It's brutal. Brutal. And actually, a 4S is really brisk. Yeah, and a GTS is too. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Another All good right. example. All right. Well, we've got a listener question coming up. Good. I think you'll have a good answer for this. I'm, I'm intrigued by this one, actually. Um, but before we do the listener question, I'm just going to remind you all, wherever you're watching this or listening to this... Just subscribe or follow. If you're on YouTube, just subscribe to the channel, please. If you're listening to this as a podcast, whichever app you're using, there'll be a little follow button or a subscribe button. Just tap that. It helps us a lot. Um, so please do think about doing that. Can you also, if you've got a minute, tell us whether us doing this in the studio makes any difference to your, your viewing or your, your listening experience, better or worse? Let us know. Yeah. Um, so the question comes from Mike Hall. Are you still emotionally attached to a car you've previously owned but sold? I'm really good at not letting that happen. Mm. I am really good at moving. And I guess it's because I drive so much stuff. Um, and also because I'm not the sort of person who tends to spend much of his life looking back. Um, I had an 8-valve eight Golf GTI, Mark 1 1800 8-valve Golf GTI, um, which... I think I miss because I was parted from it in somewhat suboptimal um, <laughs> circumstances insofar as 
somebody drove into it and was parked outside my flat and mm. destroyed it. Um, and yeah, so th- so I miss that. What else do I miss? I've had I've been lucky enough to have all sorts of cars, but because almost invariably the reason I sell cars is because the job means I don't get to use them very often. I find I find myself thinking. I mean, yeah, financially, I had a I barely bring myself to mention this. I had a nine nine three Carrera RS. <laughs> And if I'd hung on to that, I'd be rather you better You wouldn't off be doing I, this with me. <laughs> I, well, who knows? But I didn't. And so, you know, I kicked myself a bit for that. But that's got actually nothing to do with the car. I don't miss the car itself. Mm. Is there anything? I don't think there has. I mean, you know, I missed having a Caterham, but then I've got a Caterham. Yeah, now. and it doesn't matter that it's a different one. It doesn't it? matter that it's a different one because yeah. that, that itch is being scratched at the moment. I don't. Mm. I, it's, it's an interesting question. I think it probably says me, more about me than the cars that I've owned. But there's none that... I'm sitting here thinking, why did I sell that? Mm, mm. So the answer is no, I guess. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Michael. A, a very clear answer for you. Thank you for that listener question um, and keep them coming and uh, make sure to come back next week when we'll do it all over again. Forward to it. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.